How is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Today, I have got a very special guest for you all. Today, I'm joined by a strength conditioning coach and writer. He's written for Elite Elite FTS, mumbling my words, Breaking Muscle and Kabuki Strength. Today, I am joined by the one and only Daniel DeBrock. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I guess uh, to to start, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the the invitation, so I'm looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, thanks a lot for for taking the time to uh, taking the time to jump on. Um, but how are you? What what's been happening in your world recently? Uh, I'm good. <clears throat> yeah, I'm good. Uh, things are pretty boring for me at the moment. Actually, I just finished up uh, a program that I was doing. So, um, yeah, I was taking a marketing program, which is you know, kind of random a little bit, but uh, <laughs> obviously for business, it's it's going to be kind of an important thing. So I've mostly been dedicating my time to that. So it's honestly just been school, training, sleeping, eating, all that, all that kind of boring stuff. Um, I guess I should ask, can I curse on here? Of course you can. Of okay. course you can. Right. Um, so, yeah. uh, oh, cool. Well, um, I obviously did a little bit of a, a brief um, introduction there. I know from um, seeing the presentations that you've done at uh, Kabuki uh, Education Week. Um, so yeah, for for the last two years, I've lived off uh, Pacific time, um, trying to catch uh, trying to catch some of those. But for anyone listening who might not know your background in coaching, in writing, um, and kind of you, how you've progressed through your career, if you like, just want to give a little bit of a background to yourself. Uh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> I mean, I think you hit all the major points. Uh, I was, um, up until recently, I was a, a director of education for Kabuki Strength. Um, I since then have left and started my own company. Um, I've written for, I think, most major publications. So like T-Nation, Breaking Muscle, uh, Bar Bend, um, Kabuki, obviously, uh, and, and things like that. And so um, most of what I do is... Well, I guess now it's kind of 50-50. So previously, my role as, as director, uh, I was primarily involved in uh, essentially writing articles. Um, I was responsible for the 2023 uh, Kabuki Education Week, so lining up all the guests, organizing all the topics and all that stuff. So it's kind of a really interesting um, experience to, to, to run that. Um, developed educational programs and curriculums. So like I developed their nutrition educational program. It's called like the nutrition masterclass, I believe. Um, and then just developing different certification programs for other organizations and stuff like that. But uh, right now with my own company is primarily a coaching and education company because it's still relatively new, uh, just a couple months old. It's primarily coaching. Uh, and then as I kind of expand and continue to grow the business, it'll eventually move into the education side of things. Uh, and have different courses and stuff like that but uh yeah that's pretty much the long and the short of it oh cool and with that i know you've mentioned there quite a lot about the education side of things and um especially the the writing uh side of mm-hmm. things as well I, I was lucky enough to have um and speak with andrew Coates, who obviously you know there's yep. quite a lot of uh, quite, quite a lot of writing how did you was writing something that you always wanted to gravitate towards or did it just naturally happen how how, how do you kind of find that uh no it it wasn't to be honest i just i didn't think that i would be able to do it is really what it was um and andrew so andrew kosa he he's a good friend of mine and i saw him getting published on t nation and a couple other places and i was like oh that's really cool um you know so i just reached out to him and i was like hey like how, how did you make that work because i just had no idea how the whole process went uh went down 
And so he kind of gave me um, some advice. He's like, hey, you know, I think it's it's a good idea to, you know, reach out, connect with these people, connect with the editors, um, really like review what the website does and the kind of content they put out, their voice and all stuff and build relationships over time. And eventually they just asked, you know, Andrew to, to, to write for them. So he's like, that's kind of what I recommend you do. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not a big fan of that. So I'm just going to do it my own <laughs> way. Um, because I'm not a big fan of like, and, and I'm not saying this is what he did because he, this is more his personality. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that just wasn't aligned with my personality and approach to things. So I think his advice was good for people who have that type of temperament. But I just was like, you know what? I'm not really a fan of building relationships if I'm trying to get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, that just seems like it's inauthentic for my personality. Andrew, he's friends with everyone. And that's like his thing. So for him, it really works. For me, it didn't because I had kind of ulterior motives. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to submit an article directly uh, and then see what they say. Yeah. So I only really know one of the editors that I work with. And I don't really know her well. Like Danny Sugart is is the editor for for T Nation. I don't know if we've ever had a real conversation. Um, so I just submitted an article to, uh, I think it was Breaking Muscle, and then it got approved. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then I submitted another one that got approved. And then I submitted another one to another publication that got approved. And I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. And so I just kept doing it. And I guess I had an aptitude for it. And then I started uh, um, getting recognized on like other media outlets so like um uh the ptdc has like a you know article of the week article of the year and i kept winning article of the week and i had no idea people would just be tell- actually andrew was the one who would like tell me about it right. um he'd be like hey man you just won like best article best fitness article of the week or best this and that and i was like oh that's kind of cool and then i was named as like uh one of the best articles of, of the year or whatever and i was like oh this is pretty cool so i guess i have a bit of an aptitude for it but i honestly didn't think that I was good at it at all um, until like several years later when I started being called out by like Stronger by Science, uh, featured one of my articles, whatever, uh, on their on their podcast. And um, uh, people were telling me about how their editing process works, how it's like a very, you know, lengthy back and forth with the editor and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I've never done that. I just submit an article and then just gets published as is. So um, I think that, I think it was just lucky on, on my part. And then I also think that, you know, I had an aptitude that I wasn't necessarily aware of. Um, and then over the years, you know, you just become a little bit better and a little bit better and, and things like that. And so, um, that was honestly my process. So I'd say it was somewhat unconventional maybe, but, uh, seemed to work for me and sort of my, my mentality, I guess. Yeah, cool. I, I, I like, I know that we started off with a little bit of a tangent there, but I actually had a conversation with uh, a coach that I actually used to, uh, I used to play rugby with him actually. I've never actually, I never actually worked with him. And we were talking about sort of um, like long form content. Um, and I always like to ask that question because I think a lot of people try to um, write, but I think there's a, uh, there's a difference there in terms of, you know, the quality that you're putting out. And I know some of the, the articles and blogs that you put out there, you know, I still like to read the articles, you know, rather than just having, um, uh, you know, 15 second clips on uh, on Instagram or anything like that. I think it's useful to have a little bit more context and, and, and information yeah. around it. Um, that kind of uh, uh, dives into the the topics that I, I sent over when obviously we were booking the booking the podcast in. And one of the the posts, obviously a, a longer post that you put out uh, put out there, um, which I think is. Um, from a coach's point of view, comes up quite a lot when we're speaking to to clients. Um, in terms of taking 
um ownership and and responsibility of their of, of their health um and i just kind of wanted to um uh, touch on what your um thoughts were or or experience or, or experience from that was sorry what was the question uh, exactly. so when we're talking about having uh, ownership and responsibility for mm-hmm. our own health there's a couple of variables that can uh, go from there but when you've worked with um clients or the the post that you shared from there what was kind of your thought process uh, behind that um around how i sorry i don't recall the specific post that you're talking about but are, are you asking like what my thought process is regarding how i communicate personal responsibility or develop that with clients yeah okay um yeah sorry I, I, <laughs> maybe i'm a little spacey today <laughs> um yeah so essentially i break it down as, as simply as possible you know, because dieting is a skill. So that's the first thing I communicate to people. I say dieting is a skill. Developing your lifestyle in a particular way is a skill. You know, because one of the things I always hear, you know, from other people are like, oh, well, it's easy for you because you work from home and this and this and this. It's like, look, motherfucker, I didn't always work from home. <laughs> like, this isn't just random. I didn't randomly just fall into working from home. Like, I had to put in a shitload of hours and a shitload of time researching and developing and, you know, putting myself out there doing a podcast. I've got 107 podcast episodes on my own podcast. How many people look at that? You know, I've, I've written like, I don't know, 70 articles or something like that for different publications or I don't know how many, but it's a lot. And I've written for a lot of different publications too. And so, you know, I put in all this time so that now I can work for myself and I can do these things. And that process so far, like I've been at, when I first became a coach in 2012, so it's 20, so 11 years now, Right. So it's not like I just randomly fell into this and I'm really fortunate. It's like the most, the majority of that time, I, I, well, actually that's not true. I was working for myself the majority of the time, but even still, like I was putting in crazy hours, you know? And so like, I don't know. I think a lot of what people say is just bullshit. It's just excuses, you know? And that's not to say that the obstacles that they're facing aren't real. It's just to say that there's always going to be a trade-off and you can make decisions for yourself. And if you're just going to sit here and be like, oh, well, I have kids, so I can't do that. Plenty of people have kids who are super fit, really jacked, crazy strong. Some of the top level athletes in the world have, have children. You know, oh, well, my work is really busy. Okay. I know tons of people who are entrepreneurs or who are business owners. You know, like I have a small business and I've been crazy busy as well. So it's like, that's not really a good excuse. So really, when you boil it down to it, to, to, to the bottom of it it's like people can either choose to take responsibility and take ownership or they cannot and that doesn't mean that taking like taking ownership is not like oh everything is an excuse therefore um you know if you're not able to do something it's just because you don't want it bad enough i I don't believe that either i'm kind of somewhere in the middle where it's like hey people face real challenges like if you have three four kids that's a really big obstacle to overcome but it doesn't mean that it's insurmountable So what sort of solutions are going to be effective for you might be different than the next person because their context is different. So I always try and tell people like, look, developing a particular lifestyle, uh, adapting your nutritional uh, behaviors and um, and, and adopting a particular training routine is a skill set, right? It is to manage it. So it's a skill set. So once they kind of understand that, then we say, all right, you know, let's, let's have a look at where you're at. Let's take inventory of your current lifestyle. 
what are some things that we might want to drop? What are some things we might want to add in? And, and how can we balance that? And then once we have a good idea, then I'll try and explain that process. And I'll say, okay, you know, if you want to squat 500 pounds, you're not going to be able to just throw 500 pounds on the bar and then just do it. You know, you might need to start at 225 and then do that for a couple reps. And then slowly over time, you build up your strength. And eventually, maybe you'll be able to squat 500 pounds. The same thing is, you know, if you're going to school, you don't go into university and, and in your first semester, you write a master's thesis. That's not how it works. You build on on subsequent, uh, you know, semesters, right? And the information is that you learn in, in semester number two is going to be predicated on what you learned in number one and, and so on and so forth, right? And so it's a developmental process and it doesn't happen all at once. And so we basically just do that and then we track metrics. I like to track behaviors personally. So, you know, a behavior might be have four servings of fruits and vegetables per day, right? Combined servings, or it might be get a certain step count, or it might be train X amount of times per week. Those are measurable behaviors. They don't necessarily tell us about all of the content of those behaviors. So it doesn't say that, hey, I got, you know, high quality sessions in, but it does tell us that you did get X amount of training sessions in per week. And then once we start to kind of create some momentum with that, we slowly start to build out their their profile or their their uh, plan, right? And it might take three months, six months, a year, whatever. But over time, these these behaviors just become very integrated and seamless, right? Very much like driving a car. At first, it was a bit you know hectic. You're checking your mirrors and stuff like that. You're looking at your speed. You're doing a lot of different things. You're trying to shoulder check and make sure you're not crashing into anyone when you're merging on onto a highway. But then over time, you know, people fucking be texting and driving with their knees and they're fine. You know, again, I'm not advocating for that, but it just becomes so mindless over time that it's you don't really have to think about. It. It's just on autopilot a lot of the times. And so that's essentially where you want to get yourself to or where you might want to get yourself to, again, depending on what your goals and priorities are. But really, it just is an iterative process like that, where you figure out a starting point and then slowly progress from there and make adjustments as needed. Yeah, I think from um and and when I uh, was explaining the uh, the question at the start, what what I was uh, trying to touch on is that I'm a I'm a big fan of a of an analogy and the uh, in the in the post that you shared and I remember having the conversation in the gym and I thought I thought it, I thought it was pretty cool. It was kind of you know if you walk down a, a dark alley and get robbed, mm. yes, it was the robber's fault, but it was your responsibility. You know, you took that that risk if you like to to walk down to, to walk down that dark alley, which I thought was you know, really interesting. And when you're, uh, when you're talking there about, you know, building up habits and, you know, trying to uh, build behaviors, what's kind of, do you think that the the excuses that sometimes people can, can bring up is because there's kind of a quick fix mentality or they're comparing themselves to what other people are doing compared to, you know, that other person in the gym who a little bit like what you mentioned there in terms of the hours that you're putting in for your writing, for your coaching, to get yourself into a position where, you know, you can control your time or, or or efforts that you're putting in. Do you think there's just that quick fix mentality and too often people are just comparing to it and be like, oh, well, I'll never be like that person. So I'm just not going to do it. I'm, I'm just, I'm just not going to try and try and progress. If that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, I mean, I, I think it's for sort of a multitude of reasons. I, I think that um, the ones that are most common that I run into anyways, um, are first and foremost, people drastically underestimate the amount of effort and time required to accomplish a certain goal. So 
you know, that I think that's one of the reasons why the 90 day transformations are so popular. They're like, okay, fuck, I can, you know, work super hard for 90 days. And then that's just it because anyone can work hard for 90 days. Like if you look at the data, we don't have a weight loss problem. Most people, the overwhelming majority of people successfully lose weight, but they can't keep it off. Mm. So we don't have a weight loss issue. We have a sustainability issue. And those are, those are two very different things, right? And, and it's important to understand that when we're having this conversation. So if we're just talking about weight loss, body composition, stuff like that, we don't have a weight loss problem. We have a sustainability issue. And part of that is because people don't necessarily understand how the process works. They don't understand what, like, if you were to say, okay, what's a fast rate of weight loss or what's a slow rate of weight loss? What's a moderate rate of, rate of weight loss? They would have no fucking idea and they'd just be guessing, right? Um, and so the fact that they don't know right off the bat, but they have a, a preconceived notion of what a successful 90-day uh, transformation would look like, it's like, okay, you've just arbitrarily determined that this is good and this is bad but you have no fucking clue what you're talking about. You know, that would be like me going into the stock market, making a three, 300% return on investment. And then being like, Oh, well it wasn't 700. It's like, dude, like you don't understand what you're talking about. And so I think that's a big problem because if you don't understand how things work, you don't know how to evaluate whether or not what you're doing is effective. Like if I tell someone, Hey, losing, losing at a clip of 1% per week is really fucking good. That's very good. And that's very sustainable. And you'll be able to maintain your performance. So most of my athletes are performance-based athletes, strength athletes, like powerlifters, strongmen, uh, weightlifters, or, or like some sort of endurance uh, performance athlete. So, so they need to sustain their performance and their body composition is just there to facilitate that. And sure, they might have some like aesthetic goals that they want to accomplish, but that's, that's way down the line. Their performance is their number one priority. So how do we do that while sustaining performance? How do we do that while creating sustainability throughout this entire process? And that really changes um, the approach because if the goal is just to get, you know, X lean, fuck anyone could do that, you know? But if the goal is to get this lean without harming your performance, without, you know, being like, oh my God, I hate my life and being miserable and having all stuff, that's a very different story. So how you gauge success is, is going to be largely predicated on what their assumptions are about you know, how the process works. So education is a really, really big part of the process, at least when I'm coaching an athlete, I'm constantly trying to educate. Uh, every single week when I do my video review check-in, I'm always educating, hey, you did a great job here. Hey, this is something that we're kind of lacking. And the reason why I want you to do this is because this is going to affect this and da, 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 da. So I'm always trying to communicate those things. So I think that's a really big obstacle is people just don't know what the fuck they're talking about and they get bad information from a lot of different places. And so... Uh, they need to understand how the process actually works. And, and so that's a big barrier. Um, the second barrier is they underestimate how much time and effort is actually required. I hear people being like, oh, not everyone can have a six pack. Bullshit. Bullshit. Almost everyone can have a six pack. Is it going to like, and, and you can make the argument about like, oh, well, like, because not everyone has the visibility of the abdominals and they're not going to hypertrophy the same. Like, get the fuck out of here. Everyone can be lean. Virtually everyone can be lean. Barring some some very rare, you know, maybe like, health or metabolic conditions or whatever, virtually everyone can be very lean. Um, and like, you don't need to, to really look at any research to, to know that all you need to do is be like, okay, how fat were people in the thirties? It's way fucking less than what you'd see right now. And it's like, okay, so you're telling me all of that is due to genetic 
adaptations, get the fuck out of here. Come on. It's, it's just not the case, you know? So most of the people who are struggling with being overweight and stuff like that, this is a lifestyle issue. Um, It's not a genetic condition in the overwhelming majority of cases. So if you're listening to this podcast, there's like almost a hundred percent certainty that you don't fall into that category of the rare condition. Um, and so, so that's a big part of it. The, the next part is I think that just as a society right now, especially, so I'm living in Canada at the moment. And I think in Canada and also the U S I was living in the U S when I was working with Kabuki, there is just this massive push to turn people into pussies and, and to like, you know, tell everyone that, oh, it's not your fault. Oh, you did your best. Oh, here's a participation trophy, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, like sports are exclusive by their very nature. You don't run a hundred meters in this time. Guess what? You're not on the fucking team practice and then come back in. It's a meritocracy, right? Sports are based on a meritocracy. And unfortunately right now, that's sort of shifting where, you know, people are, are being awarded prizes and positions, not based on merit, but based on other arbitrary factors that shouldn't even be, be in the, in the discussion. And so it's like, when you have this, like a world being like, Oh no, you're perfect. Just the way you are. You can be healthy at every size. You can this, you can that. It just turns people into pussies is, is really what it is. And I like, it's funny because a lot of people will, will come at me and be like, Oh, well, you're just like, uh, what do you call it? Like you're a tough love type of coach. And I'm like, <laughs> anyone who's ever worked with me as a client will tell you that I'm incredibly soft-spoken when I'm working with athletes. I will never raise my voice. I don't swear. I'm incredibly understanding. I'm incredibly patient. Like these are things that I constantly get as feedback. Yeah. So I don't do the whole tough love thing, but at the same time, you're not going to fucking piss on me and telling me it's raining. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, I'm going to be honest with you and I'm going to be respectful and I'm not going to like put people down or shame you. Like, it's just not my personality, you know? So I don't think that it's one or the other. It's not like either you just coddle people or you're an asshole and shame everyone into the result that they want and give them a complex. Like it's idiotic that that's the way it's being framed, but that's, that is the way that it's being framed. Oh, we need to be so nice to people. We need to be this. We need to be that. No, you know what? You need to treat people like adults. Mm-hmm. You need to treat them like they can actually handle this, like they're intelligent, like they have autonomy and agency over their own lives and they can, you know, make decisions and that they can get better and they can grow. The moment that you start telling people like, oh, well, we don't want to do this because we're going to hurt their feelings and that can cause, it's like, you're not even, you don't even respect them anymore. Yeah. Like what you're telling them is, I don't think that you're smart or capable enough to actually do this. So I'm just going to lie to you to make you feel better. That's what it says to me anyways. So I think that's a really big problem. And the moment we start telling people like, oh, you did your best and like, oh, it's okay. It's okay to be overweight. It's okay this. No, it's not okay to be overweight. It's not. And it's not because you look a particular way, but it's because you're going to fucking die by the time you're 60. Yeah. You know, you're going to die by the time you're 30 or 40. How many, how many 400 pound individuals do you see living past 40 years old? I know zero. I, I don't know if there are any. Because it's like, that's insanely unhealthy. And obesity is a chronic health issue, which means that if you're obese and you're like, let's say, you know, in your early 20s, your your biomarkers might actually be reasonably good. You might have perfectly fine biomarkers. What do they look like in your late 20s? 
in your early 30s, in your late 30s. Guess what? They're going to plummet because the disease is chronic. So the longer you are in the state, the greater the risk of dying is. You know, and if you're obese, I think what is it? Your 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 health risk goes up by 1.4. So you're 40% more likely to die at any point in time in your life than an individual who's at a healthier body weight. I'm pretty sure it's 1.4 is is the health risk um, off the top of my head, but it's it's significant. And people try and downplay that, and people try and like just pretend like everything's always okay. And it's like, man, the world is not fair. Shit, shitty things happen to all people all the time. Like. All you're doing by trying to coddle people and make them just feel good and creating these safe spaces, all you're doing is making people less resilient and weaker. Yeah. I'm not saying that you should be addicted to people. I'm not saying that you should, you know, like treat people poorly if they're overweight or if they look a certain way. You know, that's not the thing to do. But it's certainly not the thing to do to tell them that they're going to be healthy if they're fucking 40% body fat. That's not healthy either. That's dangerous because now you're giving this person um, like this false understanding of what health actually is, yeah. you know? And so the, the reluctance of individuals to talk about difficult things in, in the name of sparing people's feelings is bullshit. I don't believe that it's true. I don't believe that people have any good intentions by doing that. I think that they're just afraid of, of being seen as negative, being afraid to be called out, being afraid to be labeled something nasty um, and potentially get like censored or whatever. I think that's really what it is. And it's bullshit and it's not helping anyone. Yeah, I think there was uh, just touching on a couple of points that you that you've mentioned there. I think the education side of things is is really important um, because you know sometimes people will just do things and they have no reason why they never uh, or they might be working with a coach and never question. So why why am I doing this? Why, why is that I'm doing that? Because you know that that phrase of you know give a man a fish he'll eat for a day, give teach a man to fish and he'll he'll do it for the rest of his life. I think yeah. You know, one thing that I thought was really good that what you mentioned there was the was the skill side of things. You know, developing habits mm-hmm. and behaviors is a skill. Um, you know, exactly the same as learning how to squat bench and, and deadlift or log press or whatever it may yeah. be. You know, there's, there's skills to it. I think as well, what's really interesting, this might turn into a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a tangent, but everything that you're saying there, what I was thinking in my head was actually I had a consultation a couple of weeks ago um the guy was you know se- severely overweight he had been quite sporty in his youth had an injury um and his injury got worse stopped just basically stopped training put on quite a lot of weight in the consultation it was basically because you're getting heavier it's making your knee worse because you're carrying you know too much too much weight around that's not to say oh my god like why have you let yourself got to this point I think it is just a case of having that honesty and just you know he knows he knows he's overweight i know i know he's overweight so it's a case of look you know this is these these are the facts and do you think sometimes maybe flipping to a a coach's um point of view do you think sometimes coaches want to brush over that to try and make the make the sale and try and be a jack of all trades rather than like what you've said there have that have that honesty and you know be like look you know this is this is what we need to work on and showing them the respect that they deserve to be like, right, this is, this is how I can help. This is what we need to do to get from point A to point B. I mean, maybe, you know, I, I can't speak for anyone else other than myself. Yeah. Right. But what I could definitely say is there is definitely a pretty strong push to pretend like being overweight is perfectly fine. Like look at Hayes, the whole healthy at every size movement. Look at uh, body positivity and all these things. Like, And a lot of these things start out with really beneficial intent, you know, with like a good intent of, hey, you know what? 
these people are human beings. They should be treated with dignity. They should be treated with respect. They shouldn't be discriminated against, especially in healthcare, right? Like that's a big problem. A lot of people might not know this, but, um, you know, when someone who's overweight is, is seeking like medical health, uh, sorry, medical help, a lot of the times they're actually shunned from getting the proper treatment, right? And, you know, if someone who's like at risk of dying in the next couple of years needs to get medication, but the doctor's like, no, I'm not going to give you medication until you lose a certain amount of weight. It's like, dude, at the moment, medication is going to be the most important thing for them, you yeah. know? And so there is, there is discrimination. They do face that. So these are barriers. And I think that these movements start out uh, with, with good intentions, but almost always they get hijacked by people who are just like, you know, raving lunatics who just want to push a, some sort of self-serving uh, agenda, right? So uh, I think that that's really problematic. And I think that uh, coaches, like everyone else, not just coaches, but people in general, get worried about the mob. They get worried about, you know, being canceled on social media, whatever the fuck that means. It's like, you can't cancel people in real life. Like, okay, I don't have an Instagram account. All right, I guess I'm just going to go on living my life. You know, who gives a shit, right? So I think people are, are are worried about that. They're worried about being labeled in a particular way. They're worried about being like censored. They're worrying about uh, their reputation. And those are all really valid concerns. But I think that at the same time, they do prevent people from, from actually doing what's best for the client, you know, uh, in some cases anyways. Um, I don't know if that's a huge problem among coaches because like I said, I can only speak for myself and I can only speak for the people who I know personally. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's it's a point of uh, maybe sensitivity that the coaches might avoid having some of those more difficult conversations. But I also think that a lot of that stuff kind of comes with experience and the development of a, a good quality relationship with your clients. So I've got a pretty good relationship with my clients because like they know that I care. Like if anyone were to watch my video reviews, like I'm very thorough. Um, everyone has my cell number. They can text me at whatever time I answer questions like within, you know, like an hour or two or something like that. Um, so, so I'm, I'm available and they know that I genuinely care. Uh, and I'll be honest with them. Like I have told people sometimes like, Hey, you know what? I, I don't think that you're really into this. Um, maybe weight training just isn't for you, you know, or maybe I'm not the right coach for you. And sometimes like I'd say it's pretty rare that I actually have to have those conversations, but there have been instances where I have said that and I've actually referred them to someone else. And then they start sending me referrals because they're like, Oh wow, this guy's like, he actually just cares about me yeah. more than his bank account. And I think that a lot of that times that comes with like experience and actually being in like a good place. Whereas if you're kind of a struggling coach, then maybe you kind of have to just do whatever you need to do to keep the client. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and it's not a good position to be in for sure, but I've definitely been there. So I'm not going to like point fingers at anyone. Um, but I don't know. Sorry. I'm not sure if I answered your question. I've just uh, kind of I think, like, uh, ranting yeah. a lot. <laughs> no, no. What, one thing that you mentioned then, it's a, again, a similar uh, conversation that I've had before of, um, sort of like the life cycle of a coach. You know, I always go back to when I very first started coaching, I used to say everything, try and just unload as much information as, a, as I can, you know, in coaching, uh, in, in person. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you actually refine your skills a little bit more. And that does come with experience, especially probably more so with the exercise side of things and the, and the nutrition side of things. But in terms of managing the person, you know, those, uh, I think it's the the softer skills, if you like, of, you know, knowing when to be like uh, a little bit more firm or when to, um, mm -hmm. you know, say things that need to be done. Is that something that 
um, when we're talking about skill development? Is that something that, you know, I think the the book that um, uh, I've started listening to on uh, Audible is uh, uh, how to is it how, how to win friends, how to win win friends and influence friends people, and something influence like that. People, yeah. um, and it's that thing of you know you can listen to that and then try and apply it. Is that something that you've done to develop? Um, your softer coaching skills, if you like, or 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 does that just generally come from experience for kind of the younger coaches listening? Uh, it's it's definitely a skill like that you have to work. So um, I think that a lot of let's say like more technical deficits uh, in in a coach's skill set can be somewhat like made up for by having just really good relationship and communication skills. Uh, because maybe you're the best coach and you know the most scientific whatever, but you need buy-in from from a client. And like, so so here's a parallel example. One of the like one of the most important determining factors of whether or not a psychological, like, so if you're seeing a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist, one of the most important determining factors of whether or not that intervention is going to be successful or not is the relationship that you have with your clinician, right? Which is surprising, but also unsurprising at the same time, you know, because it's like, you have to trust the person. You have to be comfortable sharing really deeply personal things that probably are fairly painful. And when it comes to fitness, it's also probably pretty similar. Like I have athletes who compete at a high level, very high level, who also have dealt with a lot of like, you know, um, what is it like uh sort of self-esteem issues right they've dealt with um you know eating disorders or maybe like whether they're full-blown like clinically diagnosed or subclinical uh, i've dealt with individuals who have gone through like divorce and who have gone through like uh, having to move who've lost their job who've been devastated financially because their portfolio just crumbled within like a week so these are things that really really can just devastate people mm -hmm. and if they don't feel comfortable enough to tell you what's going on then you can't help adapt the the approach that you're taking in order to um, get them to their goals now i know that might sound kind of odd to hear but at the same time like stress really matters in performance not just in performance but in body composition and and it more importantly in adherence right? because if you are getting divorced and you're having to figure out where you're going to live now I don't care how dedicated you are. That's going to pull your mind away from your training. Yeah. You're just very likely not going to be as invested. You're very likely not going to be pushing to the same level. You're going to have other shit that you want to sort out. And, you know, at that point, the question is, okay, what do we need to do right now to keep you moving forward? Or maybe it's so bad that we need to just do damage control so that we stay at the same late point and don't regress. Right. So, so how do you have those conversations if your athlete doesn't trust you? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think that if you have those, those conversations, if you have that type of relationship, they're going to feel more comfortable sharing stuff with you. And, you know, they'll, once they do that, you can adjust the program accordingly. You can scale it up. You can scale it down. You can put things on pause temporarily. You can suggest like, Hey, you know, maybe we just need to stop this altogether and you need to just kind of eat in a more informed approach. And I can give you some very simple guidelines, but maybe we just kind of stop the nutrition side of things for the time being, put that on pause, remain weight stable, have one or two priorities that maybe we're checking off and, and that way we're not, you know, doing any damage. But like, you can't do that unless you have the ability 
to connect with an individual, to empathize with them, to communicate with them. And they have to feel like you genuinely care about you. And that that's real difficult. Like it really is, especially, you know, someone like me, like I, I, for a long, long, I mean, I still have it, I guess, technically, but I would say that it doesn't really affect me anymore. Um, uh, was, was, I dealt with uh, CPTSD, right? So complex disassociative PTSD. And so essentially your ability to empathize with other individuals is significantly stifled. Like someone would be like pouring their heart out to me and I would just be like, I don't really, I don't understand. Like, I don't get it, <laughs> you know? Um, and so you have to really work on it and learn how to do those things and learn how to empathize, learn how to connect. Um, and so it is difficult, or at least it was for me, maybe for some people it comes more naturally, but it's definitely something you can work on. And it's probably one of the most important skills uh, of being a good coach, you know, because realistically, like as a coach, 95% of the shit that you know and you learn probably not even to use <laughs> you know like when when you're learning about like cellular metabolism and all this stuff and like you could probably get an athlete just as far with 80% less knowledge you know so long as you're just implementing it appropriately and it's like does that mean you shouldn't constantly be learning no that's not what I'm saying but like most of the shit we know as coaches you're just you're never going to use or you maybe use once every couple of years, you know? So I think that the soft skills and the soft skill side of, of coaching is, is incredibly important. And I, I do think that there has been a bit more of a push, especially in the last like year or two, uh, to, to really emphasize that in a coaching practice. Yeah, I think the and why I like I thought that was I thought that was really, uh, really good what you mentioned there about the about the soft skills. I know um, during I know it seems like a, an age away now, um, the uh, COVID, but um, wrote uh, listened to a lot more about how to develop those skills a little bit, a little bit more because you know gyms were were closed and those sorts of things. And I think, you know, going back to what you touched on before, you know, actually speaking to clients and athletes as they are adults, you know, be able to be able to speak to them. And um, I think it's like a little bit of a of a pendulum. You know, you start off thinking everything that you learn is going to be really important, and then it flips where. You know, most of the times that we're talking about um, training or, or or anything like that, you'd speak to other coaches around. Whereas usually the the, the client or the athlete wants to know: Is this going to get me to where I, where where I want to be? Is this going to be in line with my vision of where I see myself? You know, at this competition or at this event or or, or whatever or whatever it may be. Because um, actually, what um, uh, what sticks in my mind is um, a previous gym that I used to work at. I used to always think I've got more knowledge than you as a as a coach. Why are your clients and athletes staying with you so much? Like your programming is atrocious. It's because it, well, or I felt that, or I felt that I was thinking, what what's he doing so different? Um, and it just came down to that communication side of things. You know, when they came in for a for a session, when he messaged them, he he, he put all of his efforts in into that person and had really good communication skills, um, which I think you know. Can, is like what you've said is is overlooked a little bit. Um, another thing that I wanted to touch on, obviously, we've spoken about the the ownership and the responsibility side of things. But one thing you mentioned about um, um, was when people are wanting to uh, associate the, associate themselves to a certain group or, or something like that. And I just kind of wanted to touch on you know environment and how um, how that can what's the pros and cons of the environment that you're in a little bit like what you mentioned about, you know, if we're um, uh, not setting expectations or setting standards, if you like, if we're just sort of um, wrapping people up in cotton wool, what's kind of your take 
uh, of the pros and cons of uh, of a successful environment, if you like. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is a platitude, but I think it's a it's a fairly accurate platitude. You know, you're the sum of your best five friends, or you know, the five people you spend the most time with, or whatever it is, right? But like, that's really true. You know, you go to a and so here, here's a perfect example, a personal example, actually. So um, I was prepping for nationals in 2021, uh, powerlifting nationals, and my gym was closed for an event, and I trained at a private club. So to put things in perspective, every single person who competes there is at a bare minimum national level. Right. Bare minimum. Um, we've got five guys who deadlift over 800 pounds. There's one dude who deadlifts 826 and he only weighs 83 kilos. Like we have a dude who squatted 1,003, which makes him the, the heaviest squat in Canadian history. <laughs> Every chick there deadlifts over 400 pounds. Like it's a strong, strong fucking gym. Yeah. Um, if you squat 600, deadlift 700 and bench 400, you're an average lifter there. <laughs> right so, so that's just to put things into perspective it's a private club right i went to uh that that gym was closed so me and a friend of mine went to a uh a, kind of like a bodybuilding gym uh that was also in town that was open so i go there and i start doing some front squats and i'm on a deload right and so i'm doing i think like 440 for a set of five on front squats and um everyone is like looking at me like oh man like you're gonna come and train here and i was like i felt so good about myself <laughs> i felt like you know like i had the biggest dick in the world i was like Fuck yeah, you know. and then i went there the second day right to to train because again the gym was closed and same thing people were like patting me on the back and when i left i was like i will never train here again i refuse because like instantly i knew i was like i'm not going to get any better because these guys are pumping me up and I don't deserve that yet. You know, like I haven't reached the crazy, like I haven't reached the level that I want yet. And these guys are just going to make me like feel really good. And I'm not going to want to work as hard. They're just going to be like, Oh no, you're doing awesome. Blah, blah, blah. They're just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the other gym, no matter what you do, it's not good enough. Yeah. You know, they're like, Hey, fuck. Awesome job. You know, a little fist bump, whatever, after you hit like a big PR, but then they still troll you. They're like, oh, well, I mean, you you hit you hit this, but you didn't hit that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, and everyone around you is just a savage and they're so strong. So they just bring you up. They force you to be better. Whereas in this, it's like if I go there and I'm like one of the stronger guys there, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. I'm just, I'm not going to get the same results. So I think that the people you spend time with are incredibly important. And I think that it's, it's really really important to have friends who are willing to be honest with you and willing to tell you shit that is going to suck that's going to hurt you know so like one of the exercises that i do still every single year and i've actually started doing it probably once every six months now um is i ask like all my closest friends who one i really respect their judgment i trust them uh, we're very close and they know a lot about me but also they're successful in specific ways that i want to be successful so I ask them, I'm like, hey, what are my biggest strengths and weaknesses? And it's almost never, at least for me, it's almost never what you think that it's going to be. It's never like, oh, well, you know, I think sometimes you're like a little rude. It's like, it's stuff that really cuts to your heart, you know, and it sucks and it can be super painful. It can be really hurtful. But at the same time, it's so necessary because now I can be better because they're willing to tell me my blind spots. 
And if you don't have friends who are willing to do that for you, then you're just going to be stuck, you know? And, and the thing is they expect the same from me. They expect me to be honest with them. They expect me to call them out when, when they're slipping. And if you have people like that, that just hold you to a higher standard, you can't help, but be better because if you don't become better, they're just going to drop you. Yeah. Like you're not going to be part of their group. It's the same thing at, at like our, our lifting club at the strength edge in Calgary, right? Like there have been, you know, like we're a really friendly group and you don't need to be crazy strong to train there. Like you could be a complete beginner and still train there and still get just as much attention and be hyped up as the guy who's squatting like 900 pounds. Right. But only if you're there to work, if you're there to just fucking slack off, you are going to get trolled so hard. You will leave because you'd be like, these guys are assholes, but it's because we don't want you there. If you're like that, you know, we don't want you fucking poisoning the well, we're here to work hard. We're here to get better. And, and that's really important. So when you have a community who does that for you, that's so goddamn important. Probably it, it might even be more important than your actual programming. I believe, you know, <clears throat> um, is, is the environment that you're in. And, uh, I know some people might be like, Oh, you're a fucking idiot for saying that. But how many people got crazy strong knowing fuck all about training or programming? Lots of people just cause they work super hard. And, and they focus on some of the basics. And so I think it's really, really important to have those people in your life. I think it's really important to, um, you know, be about that, you know? So it's like, if you're, if you're wanting to, you know, be fit and you're wanting to do all the stuff and like all you're spending time with people who are like all overweight, none of them care about their health. They all party. I'm not saying that that's bad. Like I have friends who party all the time, who drink, who don't share the same values as me. But we're also just not going to be that close because we've got two different, like our values are just too different. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you want to, if you want to be a certain way, just look at the people who are doing that and be like, okay, why are they that way? What else do they do? Just hang around them a little bit more and you'll kind of find out and it'll start to rub off on you, you know? So I, I think that it's really, really important that you be mindful of who you're spending the most time with. Um, so, yeah. I think the, the the best phrase or the best quote that I like for that is uh, surround yourself with like-minded people and great things will happen. And actually, yeah. the, uh, again, a, a conversation that I had a couple of weeks ago is that sometimes people don't actually realise their potential. You know, they might be training with certain people and it might actually be holding them back. They're actually going to, you know, a different gym, train with different people, you know, who essentially are stronger or fitter than them. And then all of a sudden, you know, their game is is raised a little bit and everything that you've mentioned there of, you know, um, oh, you lifted this, but you didn't lift this weight. That doesn't come from a place of I'm better than you. It's a case of, well, let's get to that next weight. Let's let's push, let's push to do that because you know that create that creates that excitement to want to um to want to develop, which I think is I think is really important with uh, with that side of thing, because sometimes uh, people can think a lot of people can leave an environment like that and think, oh, no, actually, how does that kind of impact um, the the mindset side of things? Is that because they're maybe, uh, they're maybe not ready um, to push themselves or take that next step and push out of their comfort zone? Or is it just a case of actually their, their values don't, their values don't line up with that, if, if, if that kind of makes sense around the mindset side of things? I mean, it could be both, right? So, like, for instance, um... Some people who who lift go crazy, right? Like they're like yelling and screaming. Like there's this one guy I know, Justin Zottel. He's he's crazy strong, super good athlete. 
but he goes fucking nuts. Like he amps himself up for like six hours. And I'm like, I don't know how you do that without dying. Like I'd have a heart attack. Right. And, uh, you know, he, he's an acquaintance of mine, but like I said, very, very strong athlete, crazy strong. One of the strongest guys in Canada, but I could never do that. You know? And so if I was in a gym where everyone was like that, I would just get exhausted. It's too much, you know? So I'm always really calm when I lift. Like I'm super, super calm when I lift. I'm just chilling there. I'm relaxed, but that's because I'm always like amped up. So I need to stay calm. So I think that sometimes there's just temperamental differences. And if you don't vibe with that group, it's not that the group is bad or you're bad. It's just that sometimes you just need a different environment. Right. And so, but luckily there's plenty of gyms and there's plenty of different environments. I'm sure you're going to fit into one. Okay. So that's the first thing. I think that another thing is um, it, it also is, yeah, some people just don't have the same values. They just don't want to work hard. And when they get exposed to that environment, they find out real quickly who they are, you know, and they're like, oh, this is too uncomfortable. I'm just going to bounce. And it's like, dude, if you would have just stayed for three months, you you're you're struggling to hang right now, but you'd be able to hang in a couple of months, you know, and then you'd be part of the group. It's kind of like hazing. You know what I mean? Like. Whether you think hazing is good or bad, it goes too far, this, that, the other. The reality is hazing is actually important. It's actually, there's actually an evolutionary basis to uh, hazing. Um, and, and it's super, super important to weed out people who don't belong. You know, now I'm not going to make a judgment call on like what is okay and what's not okay and whatever, but just the basic idea of kind of screening people and filtering people is super important. So you know, we have people who come in and there's only been like, there, there's one guy who we forced out very quickly because he was just a real piece of shit. Um, everyone in my gym is like quite humble, you know, um, and they're really great athletes. And this one guy comes in who's never accomplished anything, never even competed in powerlifting, comes in. Literally, the first thing he says is like, oh, what was it? He's like, oh, I bet I'm faster than everyone here. Right. <laughs> okay, cool. Like who who gives a shit? And then he keeps telling people like how strong he is and like, oh, like I'm so strong for my age. And he's like a younger kid and it's like he's like 21 or whatever. And it's like, okay. And then at one point he said something to one of my athletes and uh another girl who was there. So two two girls. And this is a big football player. Like he's he's bigger than me. He's like two two ninety or something like that, you know? And he's like, Oh yeah, well, you guys are only strong because you're small, because you're small. Right. And these two chicks are actually incredibly strong. So the one, she's 57 kilos. She deadlifted 190 kilos. Wow. You know, and she'll deadlift over 200 kilos at the American Pro in the next little bit. Uh, the other girl is is also crazy strong. She benches over 225, like 235, I think. And and she's like a 67 kilo or something like that, or 65, I, I, something like that. So they're both really strong. And he's like chirping. And meanwhile, they're literally stronger than he is. <laughs> right. Relatively speaking. Yeah. And so then when I found that out, I just pulled him aside and I was like, Hey, get the fuck out. Like you're, you're done. Like, don't, don't be fucking talking shit. Don't ever say anything to me. Don't ever say anything to this person. I was like, you're done. Just get the fuck out. Like, you know, because it's just like, we're not having that. We're here to support each other. If you want to try and, you know, point fingers and you want to pretend that you're better than other people, then you don't belong here. Um, but that was the only time we've ever had that. Right. And so, I think for the most part, if you're around those people, like they, they can really rub off on you. And I think that it's super, super important to be able to kind of weed people out. Yeah. I think with that, it, it kind of, um, on the, for the, for the most part, like what you said there, you know, the, 
especially from um so a background to myself from me playing more of a team sport in rugby and then gravitating uh towards powerlifting when I can't play as much uh play as much rugby anymore it's completely different you know everybody from you know national international lifters all the way to people who are doing the first competition everyone wants to see people do well which I think is you know is a great yeah. environment everyone wants people to push and get better but it's you know it is that it is that supportive uh, supportive nature I think the the minority um which I think gets built up a little bit too much is the example that you've used there of you know people who just want to throw it around a little bit and have a little bit of ego but what I would say from that is he will never get better he will never you know progress from there because Mm -hmm. you know he just wants to go into the gym and be like well look what I can do right now and he'll just keep dotting around whereas you know other people will you know progress and keep developing because you know of the of the environment like what we touched on um quite a lot of uh, topics and a few uh, tangents thrown in there um, but um, really enjoyed chatting with you today the, the last question that I like to ask from everything that we've chatted about there and for everyone listening what would be your take home points or words of wisdom Um, <clears throat> I guess like to, to recap everything I think it's really important to understand that everything is a process. Like you're not going to be really good at something just because you're dedicated or disciplined. Like you could be doing something a hundred percent perfectly and you're still not going to be great at it for a while. It's going to take a long time. So one expect that it's going to be harder and take longer than you anticipate. But if you stick with it, you're probably going to go a lot farther than you think you're, than you think you ever could. Right. I think that's one really important thing. The next thing is in order to like, you know, get to a certain place, you have to construct your environment and your environment is everything from your living situation, you know, how you eat, the, the, you know, what you do in your spare time, uh, the, the information that you consume, whether it be a bunch of social media or books where you're, you know, like personal development books, um, or or business related books. Uh, so that's really important as well. And then so are the people that you spend a lot of time with as well. Like they're either going to bring you up to their level or they're going to push you down or pull you down to their level. And so I think that it's really important to to make sure that you have the right environment, you have the right community to support you, and um, you put in the work and you're just consistent and you're not going to be perfect. You might be doing very, very little uh, initially, but over time, little's going to build up to more and more and more. And eventually you're going to, like I said in the beginning, be much, much farther than you ever thought you could uh, much. You'll accomplish much more than you ever thought you could. So it's really about patience, consistency, and dedication, and constructing your environment, having the right people around you. So hopefully that uh, is is a decent summation. Yeah, I think that was a really good summary, and I think from everything that we that we've chatted about today, um, some really good take home points from either you know um, a coach's point of view or you know a client or, or an athlete's point of view. So um, thanks a lot, Daniel, for taking the time to to jump on uh, today. If um, anyone has any questions about what we've chatted about today, see the content or information um, that you put out there um, or, you know, get involved in some coaching with you, where where can people reach out to you and find you? So Instagram is probably the best place that uh, people can find me. That's where I'm most active. So my uh, Instagram handle is Daniel underscore DeBrock. I have a YouTube channel, Daniel underscore DeBrock, uh, and then a podcast, which is called the Stack Strength Podcast. That's where I'm, those three places are where I'm most active. Uh, but Instagram is definitely going to be the best way to reach me. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, man. It was, it was a great chat. I really appreciate you, um, uh, taking the time to reach out and, and I appreciate the conversation.
No worries at all. Like I say, I really enjoyed chatting with you today. I think there were some really good, uh, really good topics in there. Um, so thanks a lot for taking the time to jump on. Thanks a lot to everyone listening, and I will see you all next week. <laughs>